Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. Alright, here we go, Lee. Episode 2. Hello, Mr. Gabe. Hello, Mr. Lee. How goes it? It goes well. How's it go with you? Good. We survived an episode. We did. So what we really are interested in, in this episode specifically, is to get into a discussion about coming to faith and all the loaded um, thoughts and ideas associated with that word and the context Mm -hmm. and everything else. What I mean like loaded, you know how people ask loaded questions? Sure. So I think that's my... I, that's why I'm saying it's a loaded word in that sense. So, we would like to start with you, Lee. Sure. Last time we started with you and I thought it went pretty well. So if you can, for all the listeners out there, which we have none right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so our imaginary listeners would like to know how it is that you, Lee, came to faith. If you could start with your birth. No, I'm just kidding. Birth? Oh, man. That's a long story. My memory doesn't go. Yeah, my memory doesn't go far, that far back. Uh, faith is, uh, I guess, something that I came across or came to because uh, it's in my family. It's in my family background. Um, probably mentioned it before, but my grandparents were pastors. My great grandpa was a pastor, missionary. So. In between growing up in church and going to private schools, private Christian schools, um, it's really hard to separate myself in terms of identity from being a Christian versus not. But uh, yeah, so it's a background in uh, the Baptist denomination community and the oneness Pentecostal apostolic denomination. Uh, There's... I guess you could say a mixture mm-hmm. in terms of ideas or in terms of uh, following biblical application between those two groups. And then there's also, um, I guess I guess they call them the Jesus Movement, Calvary Chapel. Oh, yeah. With uh, Chuck Smith. Yeah, that's, that's something that, even to this day, yeah, that's something that I would say is a big influence on faith. But um, could you go into... What is it? Kind of the culture behind each one. Each one, sure. And explain what, because I really don't know, to be yeah. honest. So, so uh, Baptist, I mean, I can't really give you the the chapter by chapter breakdown, you know, but um, high level, just give yeah. Some context. So it's it's more in line with the Trinitarian belief, the Trinitarian viewpoint of. Christianity and the Godhead. That's okay. another like buzzword, I guess, in terms of recognizing that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. are three identifiable persons or three identifiable characteristics of God, because we put it that way. Um, so referring to Genesis... Let us make man. That that's always the reference, right? Or the let us make man in our own image, right? That's that's one. The tr- yeah, the Trinitarian, right? So there's that. 
and then of course with Jesus's proclamation or Jesus's um, gosh, I'm, I'm skipping, I'm skipping little parts here, but it's in uh, chapter twenty-eight of Matthew where he's he's telling the disciples to go out into to Jerusalem to mm-hmm. to Judea. There's also the uh, part where it says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's also that component to why certain church groups or certain denominations, their viewpoint is recognizing three separate persons or personalities, I guess. It, I mean, to boil it down, they're both, both sides are really saying the same thing. It's just that the verbiage or the the words that they're using to describe you know, what they're wanting to describe is where, I guess, the conflict sets in, you know? That's so would you say, because I was thinking about this, I think, today with that word Pentecostal. There's a Pentecostal mm-hmm. day, day or of Pentecost. day, day of Pentecost, yeah. and there are Pentecostals. Correct. And there are Baptists, and there are Lutheran, Seventh-day Adventists, so there's these factions, denominations of Christendom. Christendom. Mm-hmm. I always thought about it this way: is essentially they take a portion of the Bible and they run with it and build a church around that. Yeah, essentially, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Some more than others. Uh, if you look at the Lutheran movement, mm-hmm. Martin Luther, and how that branched out and that became Protestant. Protestantism, and then from there, that's where even more branches came out. Came out just from that one, I guess that one turn from Catholicism, right? Yeah, because Catholicism is essentially, I guess, the state, the state of Rome, mm-hmm. right? Becoming the official Christianity, becoming the official, the official church, official religion the Vatican. of Rome, and right. then from there, that's where. They had to intertwine or intermix Roman traditions, Roman beliefs, with Christian beliefs, and so that's why we ha- we have uh, Christmas, December twenty fifth, where it's recognized as the birth of Christ, but in actuality has nothing to do with the actual birth of Christ. It was just that that's where the Roman holiday, and it's slipping my mind right now, but the Roman holiday, uh, one of a, one of their feasts landed on that day, and so the powers that be at the time said, okay, we're going to combine our, you know, cultural, traditional beliefs with Christianity. That way we're kind of marrying the two, two cultures. Mm-hmm. And that's how we have, I mean, even, even, uh, I know Easter has a lot of, yeah, that association. Influence, yeah. yeah. We kind of got off track. We so did. it's okay though. It's totally fine. <laughs> Get used to it. Okay, so there's that context for the right. Baptists. I think we, you gave a little bit of that. With some verses, right. Yeah. Now for the Pentecostal. One movement. One movement. One is movement. Movement. So for, for the first portion, the Baptist portion, that was strictly elementary? Or a portion of I would non- say, yeah, elementary. So majority of your time was the Baptist and elementary, your elementary schooling. Yeah, and I guess you would include one year of junior high, too. One year of junior yeah. high. Because that was how it was run, right? It was a whole six years. It was elementary. Yeah. At this. Yeah, at the time, I moved back and forth from after third grade. 
Mm-hmm. And then I spent two years public school system and then went back to a private Christian school. And yeah, and then back to... And there was, it was church or Sunday service at the school. It was a church school. Essentially, I believe it was like one day out of the week, they would have an actual, the whole school would come together and have a church service. So like during the week? Yeah. Okay. During the school hours, right? And at that time, did you understand what was going on? For the most part, I could differentiate between what my local church is teaching on Sunday versus, hey, this is what's going on mm-hmm. over here. It's kind of, it sounds kind of funny for a third grader to have to differentiate between the two, but right. uh, I guess when you're invested that much, you know, in terms of school, in terms of family, friends, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much all I knew at the time. You know, I didn't have any other context, I guess. Right. So then your Pentecostal experience was in middle school or high school? That, well, no, that was always at the forefront because of my family, because of... Okay, so that was a family... Church, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, what's the principles behind that, the Pentecostal culture and teachings? It's, a lot of it is based on Acts 2.28. Okay. No, 2.38. This is horrible because I'm. Wow. Acts two thirty eight, where Paul it's the day after the day after the day, but it's after the day of Pentecost or the day of Pentecost, where the disciples received the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and this was one of the feasts that the Jews were celebrating, where every Jew every Jew from the surrounding area I know I'm every Drew. Drew the Druids the Druids from uh, what up Drew no no the Druids that's from uh, it's a thing Spaceballs you've never seen Spaceballs yeah I honestly I, I know I've seen I know I've seen it but I <laughs> I don't think I <laughs> yeah right I don't think I have enough memory of it to okay so <laughs> I definitely remember it yeah so not to get off track but yeah uh, the day of Pentecost was essentially a feast or festival where various Jewish groups, Jewish uh, identities or ethnic groups mm-hmm. would travel to Jerusalem. So it didn't matter what providence they were from. It could be Greek providence, you know, somewhere in Asia Minor, in Rome. They would all travel to Jerusalem together. And at the time when the when the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they actually um, were able to speak when, when, in speaking tongues. Speaking in the reference of speaking in tongues was yeah. them speaking in actual uh, human languages. So, if a Jew that was originally from, let's say, Corinth or another Greek province was coming down, and they knew that the Jew that was speaking or the disciple that was speaking Greek, but they knew that they weren't, they weren't Greek. They could recognize each other. I mean, how we do it today, right? How fashion or um, even in accents or or dialects. So they were able to recognize that, hey, this guy is not from where I'm from, but he's speaking my language, my language, 
you the, the exact even the exact could have been even the exact accent of where I'm from or what I'm used to. So the scene here is a bunch of people from different cultures, languages, regions of that area of the area, right? Close proximity, and they're all in this. They're all in Jerusalem together. Correct. They receive the Holy Spirit. The disciples. The Jesus. disciples of Jesus. Again, there's other Jews that are non. Christians, I guess, non-Christ followers that are there who are witnessing this phenomenon. Okay, and so what would what would be like our current day example of that? It's we could say people from, I guess. Well, actually, like all of all over the Middle East, basically. Yeah. Let's say. So it would be it would be like if. Like Lebanon, we were, Turkey. If we were to go to, let's say, for example, yeah, let's say we were we were in a different country, spoke a different language, and we were able to start speaking the native tongue of the people that that we, the locals, I guess, down to the point where they're like, hey, you not only do you speak my language, but you're, you know, my dialect. Like you're speaking from the region that that I'm from. This is weird. Mm-hmm. So, at the time of the day of Pentecost, they actually some actually commented and said some Jews commented and said these guys are drunk on wine and it's not even like the middle of the day like how is it that they just kind of that was their way of explaining what they were what they were witnessing it was after this event that Peter stood up and he started proclaiming what was going on he had to explain Mm -hmm. to the people that were witnesses that were part of what was going on and he in that speech he did proclaim for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so that's where the oneness Pentecostal movement stems from, I guess, to put it that way, is from that key verse that Peter is claiming to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So, again, going back to Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission, that's where Jesus declares to be to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The difference... I guess one of the key differences is the reference in Acts 2.38 is is a reference to water baptism specifically. Right. More specifically. As you might already be aware of, there's different baptisms, baptisms of the water, spirit, fire. Um, well, let's say that. So there's the baptism of the water. Mm-hmm. So that's John the Baptist. That was one of his. That, that, was, that was his role. That was his specific. Role. Yeah. And there's then after that, and it has to be in stages. You can't go. Oh, you can't leap over water baptism. Correct. There. I've never asked that before. There's people that have. That so have, you can. I can say that for myself. Leapfrog. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit first. Before the water. Water, right? Okay, so. Let's say for for right now. Mm-hmm. You have water. Yeah, you have water of baptism. <laughs> ba- yeah, water you're, being, you're being baptized by water, right? And then you're baptized by the Spirit. Yes, and then baptized by fire. Correct. But for that one, the fire, you have to be baptized by the Spirit to handle the fire, essentially. Correct. Metaphor. These are, let's say, metaphorically Metaphor- speaking, yeah. metaphysically speaking, not literal fire. Point being. <laughs> Is okay, so the water the reason why it's water is to that the John the Baptist John the Baptist did it 
with water because that was repentance of sin. Right. It's uh, well, we have we have to backtrack. I guess we should at this point. So oh, wait, wait, wait. baptism okay. was a Jewish practice. It's okay. still is, from my understanding, it's still it's still a Jewish practice okay. as well. Not very common. Um, I don't believe it's essential to the current practice. I might be well, mistaken by that. Well, wouldn't the reason why is because that's not a that was never that that was a tr- let's say a transition from Judaism to Christian Christianity. No, no this was so. Before, even before Christianity, it was still a Jewish, a Jewish pra- practice. It was a Jewish practice. It was a, from my understanding, it was a practice of cl- of cleanse cleansing cleansing. Yeah, because the Old Testament has a lot of that too. Yeah. Like because wash some, yourself and right, all that. Because sometimes it was ethnic Jews that were practicing it for what it, for various reasons, but there was, I guess, a standard for people that converted to Judaism to practice baptism as mm-hmm. well as a sign, as a public display or public sign of whatever I was before. I'm getting rid of that, and so I'm going going down this route now which is essentially in Christianity I believe it's there's the same application to it in terms of renewal your your baptism is your physical or even public display that you've accepted Christ that's how that's how some people would would view that practice as well I mean there's more to it but essentially that's that's the first Hey, I'm a Christian. Act, I guess. For some yeah. People. Yeah. Okay, so you said you were first baptized by the Spirit. I would say so. Yes. Now, can you explain what that means? What no. that was? With that day? Was it sunny? <laughs> you know. No, that was definitely. I don't know. Fourth, fifth grade. Wow, young. Being at so you were what twelve at that time? No, I don't even know. Nine, what. nine. There you go. Ten, something like that. That was at a junior camp, for a church, mm-hmm. a church. Like uh, during like a summer, yeah, thing. And that was at a church service or so the, the the night services altar call, where the presence of God, you know, is being felt or is being. Uh, manifested mm-hmm. in that sense, the Holy Spirit. Um, I would definitely say that was my first experience of actually partaking of the Holy Spirit in a, I don't want to say real way, but in terms of me feeling impacted by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what, what, what would what would that mean, or not? What that what would that mean? But what like what is it? What does it feel like? What does it feel like? What's that sensation? Um, I know not everybody feels the same thing. Right. Um, but for the most part, people are going to tell you that it's a f- feeling from within. It's an actual um, presence. It's mm-hmm. a, I don't want to say a state of mind because it's not like you become unconscious and you have no idea what's going on. No, it's something like that, but it's an actual moment where I don't know how. I guess in today's colloquial terms, or what is it? The vernacular. Vernacular is getting the feels. 
Getting the feels. Okay. I mean, I know that's going to mean something for different people, but essentially, um, it's a feeling of, it's like a, a sensation of warmth, of a sensation of, um, like pure like joy, pure joy. You're like, you're coming alive. Okay. So it's a different feeling. It's a different sensation. And there was like, it was, it was a service that was happening. Yeah. It was like, it was like an altar call. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Altar call. <laughs> That's after, uh, usually after a sermon, a church, a church at a church service. Oh, so they call you up and they pray over you. For those you. that want to be prayed mm-hmm. over. Got or, it. Got it. Or, um, sometimes they'll have like at a camp, they'll say, Hey, counselors come up with your campers so it's somebody that is uh overlooking your cabin or your group and they'll usually pray with you or they'll pray for you or sometimes it's it could be a minister sometimes it could be the camp pastor um but but yeah it's it's in that context it's somebody else praying with you or for you on your behalf and Mm -hmm. right okay and was this all boys? I don't know if that matters, but... No, it, it, this was a boys and girls camp. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no, like, distractions of the girl with the girls there? I don't know that... I can't speak for what's going on today. I know we were different times, but back then, no. I was, I was, I was only eight or nine. Yeah. So, no, there wasn't... Girls had cooties still, huh? Yeah, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's interesting just because, like, there could be this distraction that... Yeah, for the purpose of that, the that definitely, camp. Yeah, that definitely does happen for the high school aged group. I mean, even the junior high age group, I guess that can happen because there's older kids or right more mature kids that are you know seeking that out. Yeah, I think that's something that's that can happen. But for me, at that point, no, that wasn't that really wasn't something that. Okay, so sought after. What changed for you? Was there anything that changed? Was it immediate? Was it? Over the years, is it uh, something think, that you can look back now and understand? Yeah, I think uh, for the most part, what it did, coming to that understanding of what's the Holy Spirit, um, I think it was more so a acknowledgement, mm-hmm. a recognition of, because I mean, I, I had an idea because of my schooling, I had an idea because of Sunday school, right, of the roles of God the Father, right, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There was an idea there, but in terms of actually experience experiencing that, um, I think it made it just made me aware of hey, God is real and He's interacting with us in our lives, and I have to take this seriously now. So there was, I mean, it wasn't like you said it wasn't overnight, but there was that understanding of okay, now I've reached a point in my life where. God's becoming more real. Like this God that they're teaching me at school, this God that they're, you know, preaching about at church. Even as an eight-year-old, I could pick up something. It's yeah. not like I'm picking up everything, but yeah, that definitely was the first. It felt stage. more concrete to you. That, it was more it, tangible, tangible, even though it's, it's not tangible. Yeah, yeah, but physically, but tangible in the sense of oh, I'm actually experiencing this for myself. You know, I'm actually understanding the effects of prayer i'm understanding the effects of listening to the word and allowing the word to impact me allowing the word to help me with my thoughts help me with my feelings help me process guide what's going on yeah right 
So I know there is a discussion around the internal voice. Mm-hmm. Was was that always with you, or did it be did it become let's say like a muscle you worked yeah. on that over and over? That that was definitely not right away, mm-hmm. but I want to say eleven or twelve. I became more aware, more conscious in terms of because I remember hearing it. I don't remember if it was a book. If I don't remember if it was a teaching or preaching, whatever. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But I do remember being told or understanding, coming to the understanding that your prayers uh, don't only have to be you by yourself in a room, you know, praying to God. It could also be within your own thoughts. Yeah. It could also be, you could also be conscious that, I think when I came to the, when I heard it or came to the understanding of God knows my thoughts. God knows my feelings. So in other words, when I... The Santa Claus effect. When I was... you're sleeping too. When I, <laughs> when I started thinking things through and understanding that portion and understanding in my within my thoughts, I could also incorporate prayer or consciously or purposefully seek God in my thoughts. So for, let's say those who don't know what prayer is and I and I meant my, the reason why I'm bringing this up because I think it's interesting I know Peterson addressed that question in a podcast that was uploaded recently mm-hmm. I think they asked him do you pray or how do you pray or something to that effect yeah. and what you're talking about is a conscious effort to bring God to mind as yes. thoughts are appearing yes and and if you will yeah, and you're matching that against the word, and you're consciously. It's almost as if you're it's your thoughts, but you're consciously addressing these thoughts, or pushing these thoughts, with God in mind, or towards the knowledge of God. You know how it says in um, Proverbs three, where it says, "I'm still uh, learning." <laughs> it's okay. Where it says, "Is that Old um, Testament?" Yes. Okay, I got that right. Is there a fifty percent chance I was gonna be right? <laughs> Just give it a shot, Moses, right? Moses, you know? Moses or Jesus, right? Yeah. No, uh, Proverbs three. It's it goes into. Um, oh, meditate on day and night. The, there's that. Ah. There's that. There's that. Obviously, incorporated in it, but it's an understanding of where it says, "In all your ways, acknowledge Him." Hmm. You know, it's telling you lean not on your own understanding. Right. Okay. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So, it doesn't say anything about prayer. It doesn't. Within the, yeah. Within those sentences, within that, that those words, but you could apply that to again your own thoughts or your own. I guess it's how the best way to put it is how do you think things through. Now, and this is going into kind of going back a little bit with the Holy Spirit in terms of before you say something when in in a fit of rage or in a, you're about to have a bad moment and you know you're about to have a bad moment which part do you plug into? Do you plug into mm. your rage? Are you going to plug into your rage or are you going to plug into um, understanding that 
all our thoughts are supposed to be submitted to Christ. In other words, Christ is the filter through which I view things, or right. to, or or which to that to which I say things, do things, even think things, even how I act. It's is this being seen through the lens of Christ or being filtered through Christ? So there's an element of morality in that. Yes. And ethics. Correct. Which is, from my philosophical background, a very interesting discussion to be had because obviously we, it seems as though people have left that, we've moved past that uh, seemingly in our culture, this idea of morality. Because what you're talking about, it sounds like to me, is a discussion of good versus evil. We're always dealing yes. with these decisions. Do we go down this path or this path? And you are utilizing in this discussion, well, what you're utilizing in, in your thoughts and, and the way you think things through is how you're, what you're saying is, is this righteous or is this, I forget the other word of righteous, but what's the opposite of righteous? I don't know if there is an opposite. Unrighteousness? Right. Is it unrighteous or is it righteous, basically? But we don't really use these words and these terms anymore. But that's essentially what we're talking about. Kind of. My in truth. sense, yeah. My truth, your truth. Yeah. Um, you just touched on something that was going to brought me to a different place. Sorry. Do you want to go there or do you want to finish this thought? <laughs> okay. No. no uh, Let's table that thought. Okay. If you can come back yeah, yeah, to yeah. it, I'm hoping we can. Yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's fine. Because um, I know last time we shifted and we had to go back and yeah yeah. So uh, I, I don't want us to <laughs> go too far out. Yeah, to go too far off the trail. Um, no, yeah. So, so essentially, right? Good and evil. There's actually it's funny. There was actually a bracelet. I think it was a bracelet or a catchphrase that inspired what we're exactly what we're talking about. And it was, what would Jesus do? Mm. And this was back, this is a little, like back in the 90s or early 2000s. That What's it, uh, Medea movie? Remember that movie? Uh, the with, first one? It was, it was Medea, and the daughter was, what would Jesus do? And Medea's like, something. Something funny. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> just like hit the car next, next to her. Yeah. And another part was, Peace be still, and then Medea pulls out a gun. Like this is my piece of steel right here. This is how I'm gonna get my justice or something. So yeah, it's, it's anywho. In the right, <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, essentially the the essence of walking with Christ, or my beginning of understanding walking with Christ, was that is incorporating the knowledge of God, knowledge of Christ. Mm-hmm. Blended in with the Holy Spirit, obviously, and understanding more and more that, yeah, I do have two parts of me. I have a sinful nature, and I have the, the spiritual side, right? Spiritual side that's, they're always at war. They're always contradicting one another. And, yeah, that was essentially my background. Or my, no, my background. My... Journey to faith. My foundational, oh. my foundational truth, truth to to life. 
Okay. I guess. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. In those terms. The bedrock. Yes. The bedrock of how I, how I view life, how I pursue things, how I see things, how I... Here's my perspective on things would be... The yeah. axioms, essentially. Yeah. How Peterson would say. Actually, I was just reading... I'm still, uh, or I'm, I'm starting to get into Sigma Freud in the mm. interpretation of dreams. He is really intelligent, obviously. Like, Disc- discredited by some on his own. Yeah. Film, but yeah, it's, it's, so he's got a lot to say. He's Well, obviously this is a translation of what he wrote, but even in the translation, you can, it's still, it's still there's what he's saying and I'm, his sentence structure is outstanding. I've only read a few pages of it, but holy moly, yeah, so good. I'm really the reason I was I'm, I'm getting into that. I read a Carl Jung, who wrote a chapter on in Modern Man in Search in Modern his, Man, yeah, Modern Man in Search of a Soul. Soul in that book, he wrote a chapter about that, which he obviously studied under Sigmund Freud, mm-hmm. who developed this. Um, what is it? the school of thought around dream interpretations and how that played a factor into psychoanalysis. But point being there is that I've really have had probably dreams every night for the past few weeks and they've all have been really, really fascinating. And I've had this book and I've been wanting to read it, but I'm kind of going off a tangent. But the point is, is that yes, he wrote, he wrote that word, I believe in their axioms and it, and I and I always it what I'm saying is that we are influenced and I can see Peterson's influence from the authors that he's Carl read Jung, Carl Jung Freud Rogers all these intelligent clinicians of the 20th century I believe it was because mm-hmm. obviously it was like what the 18 1900s when psychology yeah. really started to started develop to, yeah the school right side note but uh but there is that element i think in us to yes because what was it the i forget his name now in the dreams there was joseph joseph there you go so there's that whole discussion there but it gets into the the conversation because you talked about your thoughts and the imagination and how do we hold it captive and how do we how do we Meditate and how do we because that's like where do ideas come from? Where do our thoughts come from? Where do they spring from? And there's that whole subject, right? To discuss because obviously there is the imagination of that comes from he who is good God, and then there's the deceiver. And then how do we know how to how do we know to? say no to the deceiver's thoughts versus say yes to God's thoughts basically is what we're talking about I think right right it's, it's very choppy the way I'm saying it but it's okay yeah I'm working through it right now but okay maybe I can let you think through that and because what I was I what I wanted to get in get into a little uh-huh. bit was yeah so these are the like the way you phrase it too the axioms of my understanding of life, understanding of, you said, battle between good and evil. But, you know, there's that. There's a, there's that acknowledgement or understanding. 
versus, okay, what are you going to do about that when life happens? And for me early on, uh, well, I, I guess I had to actualize or see it for myself or experience it for myself early on with uh, the passing of my grandpa, mm. who was like a second father to me. And this was around the age of 10, I want to say. So a year later. Yeah. From that. Life became real. Yeah, life started happening. Real quick. Yeah. And at the same time, he actually had two bouts with cancer. But uh, at the same time, my parents' marriage started getting rocky, too. So from there, that's where I developed... I guess certain physical ailments as well mm-hmm. that accompanied what was going on, and uh, and it's hard to know, right? What it's hard is a separation of it, it. yeah. And, and but now, what twenty years later, whatever, I'm able to look back and see. Oh, this is when during this era, during this chapter, is when this started to happen to me, or when I started to feel this way. You know. It was, for me, being 12, 11, 12, and my parents were separated, and meeting my dad's girlfriend for the first time was weird. Like, again, you're breaking down, having to break, if you're at the age of 11, 12, you're breaking down, this is what the Bible says, versus, okay, but this is what's actually going on in life. And there's already been a level of suffering there, because, again, seeing my grandpa suffer seeing his process I remember being in I think it was in fourth or fifth grade Mm -hmm. and I had forgotten my lunch at home and I told my teacher let me go to the office I need to call somebody my mom somebody that you know I forgot my lunch and this was during his some of his chemo treatment chemotherapy treatment no it it wasn't his chemo he only had one, and he, he said, I don't want to do it anymore. But anyways, it was during his battle, and yeah, I had to meet him at a, outside the, one of the hall, the school hallways. He brought me my lunch, and I remember seeing his face and realizing he's not doing well. Mm-hmm. He's in bad shape. I know he's sick, you know, being a 9 or 10-year-old. I know something's going on, but... I remember seeing the look on his face, and that was a moment of understanding suffering, understanding love, understanding sacrifice, I guess. And that moment, it just sticks out like a sore thumb to me in terms of losing my innocence, losing my understanding of, Being hey, a kid. hey the, you know, the world is no longer as safe as I thought it was I think that was one of the one of those moments like I said that seeing my dad meeting my dad's girlfriend for the first time you know at a age 11 age 12 so this is all going on while as we're talking about going to camps and uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and then you know being baptized at the age of 14 so this is all going on this is all part of the process right and what happens to a lot of people, a lot of, well, I, I want to say everybody, but to a lot of us that have grown up in church, that have 
that church background within their family. It's a generational thing. My parents were Christian, my grandparents, and so forth. So what happens a lot of times is people that are from the outside, by the outside I mean people that didn't grow up in church, people Mm -hmm. that did experience life a different way, they come in with the understanding of seeing kids, kids that or families that grew up in church, and seeing them in the way... There's a certain level of innocence that comes with their understanding of... Because I remember being told, like, hey, you don't understand the world. You're not from the world. You're, you, you know, you've never, you're, you've never even seen a drunk or you've never, you know, experienced X, Y, and Z. So with that comes a lot of pride, I want to say. A lot of arrogance. In that person who's telling those things. No, in, in the people receiving that confirmation or that understanding of... Oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm not bad. I'm not oh, like this. That's I'm not like this guy who came came yeah. out of drunk. You know, who's a drunkard or what have you. You know, I've never I've never experienced that. I've never done that. So there's a level there's a level of I guess misunderstanding of not living in reality. I guess I, I want to say there's like a disconnect sort of yeah. And so there's exactly there's a disconnect between what's sin, what's right, what's wrong. Even though, like I said, these other things. These other components are happening in life too with my parents and their process of in their marriage uh, me, me seeing my grandpa suffer through his sickness and again you're in church so in a in a way it's almost like you're in a vacuum I want to say you're almost sheltered for some some folks I guess sort of like isolation from yes the general population if you will correct you know it's out there you know it's going on but you have an understanding. You're living of, in the dome. You, yeah, NBC you, on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. <laughs> totally made that up. It was a show, though. <laughs> but no, yeah, you totally have this understanding or this separation of. Again, this is where the word, like holy, holiness, holy. Uh, there's an understanding of. Well, I'm different. Uh, I'm almost even better than these people because. I didn't come from that background. You know, I've never done those things that these people say that they did in their previous life so with that there's a lot like I said there's a lot of pride there's a lot of arrogance that comes into play and was everyone around you similar similar in that they were grew up in the church in that generational sense that it was I think for the most part for the most part I mean I had friends that that didn't um, but I was very close to a lot of my older cousins growing up and they came from similar backgrounds, I would say. Um, some of them, So even in that regard, your friends and family... They had a certain mentality. Same mentality, same experiences yeah, for the most part. for the okay. most part, yeah. And it wasn't until I hit my mid-20s when I, when I came across Pastor Liceo and his, his approach to Scripture and his... Um, ministry that that I, I realized or I understood that I had a lot of repenting to do in terms of I'm a Christian and this is how I view myself there's like I said there's a lot of pride there's a lot of arrogance involved and realizing when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees or about the Pharisees the Pharisees Sadducees he's talking about me because they're in the same light of well we've 
we're Jews and we've never even been, we've never been slaves. In reality, they've been slaves off and on for most of their existence. So, the, so in terms of seeing the scripture, seeing what Jesus was saying and understanding, yeah, I'm a sinner too, by the way. Like Jesus is saying these things and I'm, and I'm rejecting it. I've been rejecting it. I've been unconscious. I've been, uh, I've been arrogant ignorant yeah to these things you know I had to re realign what I understood what I knew about scripture it was no longer a matter of those people those people are Trinitarians and they have it all wrong because this is what the Bible says and, and I have the truth so let me tell you mm-hmm. you know all of that I had to I had to shift out of that I had to repent from that understanding or that uh, mentality that way of that was my approach to scripture were you in the boat of like I can't say that word right now evangelizing evangelism evangelism was that a fact was that an element to your that no not in the traditional sense Um, evangelism came more I came across it more within my personal relationships, my friends. So, like, in and like a specific example of that, from like in my mind that I'm thinking of is someone who didn't have beliefs as such as yourself have the faith. Would you go out of your way to say, "Hey, let's have a discussion about this and talk about your faith, like how you can come to faith"? Yeah, that that came into that came into mind when. And talking with my friends, hearing them out, when they had something going on in their lives or difficulty, then yeah, I would, I would definitely bring that up. Uh, but I never, I never did that without being solicited. I guess is that that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because once my friends opened up, once they, once they, I guess once they could admit to having a need. Whether that was emotional, that was psychological, that was physical, whatever it was, I guess that was my approach. You know, I'm not going to waste my time talking to people who don't want to hear me say what I have to say. Right. So it was more, okay, let me wait for this to come to me versus like like you're saying with evangelism, there are people that, that do have a gift to... They're going to bring, you know, they have they have the ability, they have the gift to somehow bring Christ into the conversation with every single person they interact with. So you weren't the kid in the white shirt? No. Driving around on a bicycle bike. with no, <laughs> that. Hey, do you have a second? No, I'm still not. I'm still not that guy. I don't think. They make me laugh. They do? Because I totally joke with them all the time. Like, so you, you, can't, you can't take it seriously. No, at all. <laughs> it's uh, The reason why I brought it up is because I have a friend who will have like the a Bible study group come into their house and okay. like their his dad was really pushing it on us in a sense to like say you know accept Christ the whole that whole process process and, yeah. to a point Eventually. where it makes you feel uncomfortable you know it's like I need you to say this in a sense like right otherwise is like you're you've failed or you know you start coming up with these different ideas in your head of 
how they are looking at you. There, yeah, there's definitely within some circles, not everybody, but in some circles that some churches with within their evangelism ministries that they do take on almost like a salesmanship mentality. Right. Sales yeah. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Or I need to upsell this family. The mom and dad agreed. Now I need to talk to the son and the daughter because, you know, they're in high school and they could totally plug into our high school group. Our youth ministry. Yeah. And all Not that. that there's anything wrong with right. wanting people to partake of things of God, but yeah, just the it's, approach itself. It's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's something I think you could speak a little bit more on as far as it's very, it's very obvious. I think it's very noticeable when, Somebody's genuinely interested in you, interested in your family, background, what have you, versus being preached at or being, I guess I want to say recruited because, okay, so, because I felt this from... Hey, join our Christian gang. (laughs) No, that's what it, no, that's exactly, I don't know how else to describe that, but yeah, you're exactly right because I remember speaking with two different... Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, and then I spoke. JW's to- hashtag. <laughs> I always want to say J- JW. JW. But right. I asked before in front of him. Now you've you've met our college students, <laughs> right? Right. So them, and then speaking with a different, a different uh, group, I guess. Yeah, the, the difficulty that comes with speaking to certain people, and because I know that. That mentality, that approach, also it's also it also exists within the Christian community. But I remember when I f- when I first got married and I moved into a condo. I, I swear, I heard you say when I when I was married, like when I got married the first, the first time. time oh. I swear, I heard you say that. I was like, whoa! <laughs> no, 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 no. no when we, when we first got married, yeah, yeah. So we moved into a condo, and I'm assuming somehow they know. Maybe an, like an address. They have like an address list, or they have some. I mean, it's all public. Jehovah records. Witnesses. Well, they have to, man, because they showed up <laughs> like within a month. You guys are like um, unpacking the boxes. No. Hey, I'm you guys not, need help? I'm not joking. They showed up, and my wife and I were like, "Did they know we just moved in?" And it was two separate Jehovah's Witnesses. So they they weren't in contact with each other. They didn't know each other. Because I asked them, I'm like, "Oh, do you know so and so?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, so they have to be from a different church or different group because, yeah. They don't share a list. I don't know. They don't, their networks aren't <laughs> communicating. I don't know. But anyways, I remember that feeling. I remember understanding or feeling like, okay, these guys are just trying to recruit me. This has nothing to do with me. I, I, I could, they could be talking to anybody. Yeah. But it's a matter of, this is what I have it's to like say. It's a copy and paste. Here's my it's pitch. A, it's definitely... It definitely feels like you're talking to a script. Oh, yeah. So. Which you can get anywhere. Yeah, that can be happening yeah. anywhere. You could go to the store or whatever it is. and. But I think when it comes to faith and just the, how people feel towards faith, feel towards churches, they see televangelists or they see, you know, these different people and their private jets and limousines and almost, I just... I just thought of Ric Flair when I said that. I don't know why. <laughs> Ric Flair. <laughs> WWE? Yeah, because you saw the, the thing with uh, Copland, right? Kenneth Copland? Or the, I think it was Insider Edition approached him. 
he was getting off of his limo to go on his jet and they had asked him about how he felt about the criticism he's receiving because he purchased going back to Medea what's his name I forget the actor's name dude this is all full full circle but so he purchased Tyler Perry he purchased Tyler Perry one of his jets or his old jet and he I guess this uh, televangelist received a lot of criticism and so that's what they were asking him about you don't know doesn't ring a bell dude this was like a month ago than half ago oh yeah wait 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 Ric Flair I'm saying no because I said because I said uh, planes and limousines describing oh, certain oh. so it's the guy who yeah he he um, I know what you're talking about and he he justified it right they yeah. asked him they interviewed him and, you're talking about that right yeah, and, and he like he, justified he, it somehow and, yeah, and he totally he totally exposes himself because he's like I never said that and don't you dare say I did or so, like very menacing very like threatening yeah and anyways I don't know why saying that thought made me think of Ric Flair but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sorry hey I make those connections sometimes too <laughs> it's like no but yeah in talking to to different denominations different groups I finally saw it for myself and and I got a taste of my own medicine I guess Maybe not not that I was an evangelist, but I was part of a group that had affiliation had an affiliation with some people that had this approach. Yeah. And now, now that I'm older and maybe a little bit wiser, that that's not Gosh, that's gonna sound so bad when I hear that again. You're, you're so bad. My laugh and that like corny joke. <laughs> but it's a dad joke. Everybody knows that yeah. you know, that's your corner, those dad jokes. The game's corner. The All right. So you got a taste of your own medicine. I got a taste of my own medicine. In a sense. Yes. Yeah. And that was, again, that was because within my own Christian walk, my own process, um, having gone through a, a time in my life where I was in high school and I had to deal with a lot of anger, a lot of uh, resentment, bitterness towards my dad with what happened with him and my mom, where... I got to the point where I was angry enough to have those thoughts or have those feelings of, I guess, murderous rage. I guess that's and, that, and that's something I don't know. Recently, that's something that I've been thinking about too. I'm seeing it within other people, with other friends or family. Um, just connecting the dots as far as how sons view their fathers. Mm-hmm. And how, because I've t- I've said this to to people before, and and it's just another, I guess, understanding that I've come to mind. Hearing people like Jordan Peterson speak is this understanding or acknowledgement that good fathers, good dads, are the most important role for a civil and moral society. That's just my opinion, because of my background, because of my experience and and seeing those friends those family members that do have good dads and what kind of house they produced what kind of lifestyle they were able to give their family versus what I had and seeing the consequences of um, poor parenting 
or a lack of parenting, I guess. And I've come to the, I guess that going into axioms, that's one of mine that I've recently acknowledged yeah. or experienced or I'm starting to promote, I guess. And I know that's very counterculture to <laughs> what we hear and see today with, you know, quality and feminism and all that. And they have their points, obviously. But uh, because of my experience and my, like I said, my renewal, po- renewal process or repentance process, those are all things that I had to address at a certain point in my life. Within and, yourself. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, again, this is the real world. This is what's going on versus this is what I've heard my whole life based on the Bible, based on what Jesus said or as you like to put in the Old Testament this is what Moses said <laughs> but yeah that was definitely part of my process yeah part of my forgiving my dad understanding it wasn't until I actually spent some time living with him in high school that I got to see him no, no longer as just my dad of a person with a lot of flaws a person who had made a lot of mistakes a person who was being irresponsible but I've Finally, I think it was 16, junior year. I was finally able to see him as a man, as a human being, as a person. No longer as just my dad. Uh, I was able to forgive him. I was able to accept who he was. And I was able to love him for who he was. And, And I came to an understanding, with the help of some of my family, came to an understanding of... This is who he is. If I want him to be a part of my life, I have to have boundaries. I have to have an understanding of, I know what he's capable of. I know what his limitations are. I know what his capacity is. And I need to acknowledge that with how I interact with him. Right. How I, If I want him to be a part of my life, if I want to maintain a level of sanity, you know, I have to understand that this is who he is. And so moving forward, that was just, again, going back to the, uh, renewal process I guess that was that was definitely another moment another time where I was able to um, walk through or work through I should say uh, some of the things that were in me some of like I said anger bitterness rage what have you and so anyways when I that was when I was 16 so going into my 20s coming across Pastor Lisel's approach to scripture and I saw even further into my darkness my who I was inside and and again the arrogance the, the pride I had with I grew up in a public or in a private school a private Christian school I, don't, I definitely know more what, than most people what they have to say about <laughs> unless I'm in a I'm on a podcast and I can't I blank on scripture <laughs> verses and, yeah yeah but uh, it was definitely within that process too. Hearing Brother Excel teach, hearing his uh, and that I forgot the church. Do you want to call it the church or no? They, yeah, I mean it's the Apostolic Church of Orange. At least that's what it was called. Apostolic. Like the Apostolic Church of Orange. Yeah, like that. Is different than Pentecostal. It's very similar. Okay. It's, uh, they both branched out of the Azusa Street Revival. Got it. From the early 1900s. But, um, so yeah, it was, it was in, 
hearing his teachings, his approach, and that, like I said, it wasn't until I understood that when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, it's entirely possible that he's talking to me too. And did it, I would imagine it would upset you. Initially? It must have, I would imagine. Or was there this little feeling of like, I don't know, kind of like a little bit of doubt? Well. Or not doubt necessarily, but like the truth hurts in a sense. Kind of, but I would associate it more with a genuine curiosity. Okay. Because like I said, because of my background within my schooling, being in a Christian environment and being in church my whole life, uh, I definitely got to the point where... Like I said, it was so ingrained in me. It got to a point where I have so much respect for this area in my life that I have to give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So, in hearing Excel's um, teaching and, and approach to Scripture and the call to repentance, the call to renewal, called to being... Um, being able to being able to abide within the Holy Spirit, abide, or uh, so the word I'm looking for, rely or what's the word I'm thinking of? Being attached. Hmm. Okay. It was in that understanding of that mind frame that I understood. Yeah, there's so much that's in me that I haven't been able to work through. I did. I worked through the stuff with my dad. Now it was time to work through other, other stuff within my family, within my own self, because I had gone to the point where I was like, I think I want to give up. I think I want to quit this whole Christian thing, where my anger came back. I guess, like the guy with Hillsong. Yeah. What's his name now? I forget his name, but he's questioning. Oh, we're just we're yeah. just talking about it right now, yeah. right before like before we started, we were talking about it with Eliseo, huh. Sam. Sam something. Martin? Yeah. Sam Martin. Is it? I don't remember. Samson? I know Samson. Samson. Something Samson. Okay. Or Samson something. Gosh. But anywho. Yeah, for me, I... Yeah, for me, I came to the point where... Where I had to... Acknowledge certain things within me. And acknowledge that... I don't have this all figured out. I right. still need... I still need God to... To intervene in my life. I still need God... And, then I, and I need to approach it sincerely. If I'm going to say I'm a Christian, then I should probably be practicing what the Bible is saying within my life instead of picking and choosing what it says and then going going that way. Going going about it that, in that sense or in that way of I'm just going to pick and choose what it says, whatever is convenient for me at the moment. It was in that process or in that moment that, yeah, I had to just let go move forward or say yes say yes to what I was hearing say yes to what I was seeing say yes to what I was reading and completely trust God we were learning today about worship when it comes uh, that God wants people to worship in spirit and, and in, in spirit and, and in truth. truth and I think that's what you're alluding to in a sense yes or big, in a lot of senses, <laughs> that was a yeah. That was definitely a big, a big process of uh, renewal or repentance. Um, but yeah, I think that that 
having these moments, these different uh, checkpoints or different uh, monuments, I guess, monumental moments within my family and myself, I think that was really what some what's what has cemented me now and where I'm at now with my walk with my faith and you know I can I can definitely see where God moved God intervened and where I have I've had to give up certain things or I've had to repent essentially from from a thinking pattern or a misunderstanding of what's 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 uh, the Bible saying what's scripture saying what's God leading me towards versus okay I want to do it my own way and and you know live with the consequences on my own yeah not have to deal with all the other stuff so that's definitely been my walk or been my journey of faith I guess it's a good way to put it yeah. journey of faith yeah that was quite a story a story <laughs> I think it's it's important to to note that that's been I think that's that's how I see that that struggle that conflict that we have where there are those who grew up in the church and this would be a good transition over to my discussion or my where I'm coming from but that struggle where those who grew up in the church versus the versus those who didn't or perhaps in a different way they grew up in the church yeah but there are you know obviously those who who didn't maybe it wasn't there every Sunday or what have you and it was very different it wasn't a familial cultural situation within their life because mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to it's your family it's your culture it's Community. It's your community. Really, it really down, comes down to your community. That's what you see, hear, and do. Who are you allowing yeah. an, uh, a voice to interact with? Who are you giving an ear to? Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, we can... We could beat the... What is it? The dead horse? We, we could beat the dead horse, but I think you've covered a lot of ground. I hope so. <laughs> and there's gonna be, obviously there's going to be a lot that's going to be pulled from that and referenced to as we continue on this journey ourselves and with this podcast so the hard part for me is I have no idea where to start <laughs> you can start from the end and go towards the beginning if that's easier I will definitely go reverse I will definitely I'm gonna attempt to do that I may jump around it's all, it's all good um, but I think first things first I certainly did not grow up in the church or in a church I so one good uh, antidote I don't know if it's an antidote but one little reference point is my mom had a first marriage and always ensured that my older brother and sister were always in church so they grew up grew up going to church is how we would say it your older siblings my older siblings two older siblings from her first marriage and that's kind of what their life was about. Victory Outreach and Calvary Chapel, that is what I understand the church they went to. Which I've been to Calvary Chapel, I've been to Victory Outreach, I've been to Catholic Church, I've been to... There's someone walking up the stairs, cool. church. Um, 
So I've been to very, very different places. So I was never, and this is like periodically speaking, but my mom always told me growing up, you should, you should go to church in me home. Like you need to have faith and Christ and, and she always would tell me this, but we, we never, she never took me. She never went. And it was something that she always wanted, but she always had that element of faith in her life. And then even from like my dad, he, I remember when we would drive by a Catholic church, he would always do the cross. I don't know what we call that when you do the thing. I think it's the crucifix. Yeah, the crucifix. You uh, know, from the your I forehead know you're doing, I don't know. to your chest, Can't across your chest. 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 You know, left to right. You. Yeah. The whole thing, and I always, I don't know. I, I didn't pay. I didn't pay mind to it. Is how you say that? Yeah. And I would just find that interesting because he's never mentioned anything. That we never had any discussions about that. And early on in my youth. About four or five, of my parents separated. They're still married, separated, so legally separated. And so that yeah, that's reference to my mom's second marriage with my dad. And she stopped going to church at that point, and her life kind of went into chaos with partying and things like that. And my dad, I spent like weekends with him, so there was those that conflict happening. You know, some domestic violence, alcoholism played a factor in all this and throughout my life. And then I know my grandpa on my mom's side had struggled with alcoholism and he started going to AA and was able to recover from from that and, and, you know, deal with those demons. And um, so that was always an element in there, you know, a lot of conflict and turmoil and... um, See, I'm jumping around already. So, let's see how I can do this. So, I know my brother and my sister always had that. My brother, in more recent years, has kind of lost, you know, kind of fell off the tracks there. And it's been shaky for him, but that's a separate subject. So, I think, for me, it's always been an element of my life. It's always been in, in the mix for me, but it wasn't the focal point. Okay. And now my grandma... On my mom's side, so she, I know she would go to church and and for certain, you know, for certain, what is it, church holidays or for certain of those sort of like Palm Sunday events or yeah, like she would go. And I think we would go too. I can't. Remember. Another part of this is I have bad memory. Oh, um, join the, welcome to the club. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, I don't even know. Super, it's super helpful when you get married and you have a terrible memory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember saying that or doing that. Um, so, gosh, this is so hard because I, I don't really. So basically, it's always been an in the, element. In the background. It's always been in the background. Good way of putting that. And it's always been something I think deep down I've always had a curiosity for. Like the, Obviously, when, when we're talking about the curiosity, it's always a curiosity for like the truth because there is this truth of God, right? Did you have a, like a, an abject disdain or was there like a, hesitant, was there like a level of hesitation because maybe you saw something you didn't like maybe you saw something that you didn't agree it, with? It, I don't even think I had any thoughts about no? it. There was nothing okay. for or against and there was never 
any. Like there was a curiosity. At there was always a curiosity. Yeah, there was always a curiosity, and I, I, and I think now I I know for sure that there was always a a dislike for preachiness. Even as I went to university, you know, I enjoyed that intellectual. Um, what is it? I always enjoyed the intellectual discussions. I, I, I obviously went to lectures and, and things like that, but I think for me now I know now is that my understanding comes from discussion. And I think having gone to university and then thinking about the church setting, it's always like this preachy, the guy up top, he's telling you in an hour, this is what it says in the stories and all this that goes with the context of, of a church setting, which I never really enjoyed. Although I will say this, I do I, I do give credit to the Catholic Church because I like the structure. I thought that was pretty, kind of cool. It's like, you know, you stand up, you do your kneel, and then the thing, and then you go eat and drink at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm referencing is the body and blood of Christ. I oh, forgot, the, the Eucharist. The, the communion. The communion. Yeah. The Eucharist, right? Is that the Eucharist? I don't remember. But the communion. Yeah. And there's always, like, it's always going to be that. You go, you get the little thing, the sermon, and then you do the, the communion. So I always, I always kind of enjoy that in the way because mm. it was very interesting, and um, I don't know. I just I thought that was fascinating to me, I guess. But there was, yeah, I think, and and that curiosity led me to philosophy, which it's funny because I think about how I decided to major in that and want to study philosophy without. I don't even think I knew what philosophy was, what that meant. Mm-hmm. Like, there was never any books that I read necessarily that were philosophical. I just, I don't know. I think, you know, it's like this subconscious thing that happens. And it's obviously now I understand that it's, you know, God working and, and calling and, and speaking to and me not knowing what that was necessarily or having like a true understanding would you say you were the type that is you're talking about being curious were you always the type growing up that had an, an acknowledgement or an appreciation for the question what is the meaning of life is that something that yeah you had as, a, as how you operated in life and how you approached things or how you came to decisions or is that Mm, I wonder now. I don't. I don't know. I don't think there was ever any. Yeah, I don't even think there was anything about that either. In other words, what what was your what was your breaking point as far as I'm going to pursue philosophy? Because that's not. I don't think that's just for anybody. I don't. I don't know if that's yeah. Just for, definitely not. That's, that's for somebody that's very. Uh, I had a deep curiosity for very metaphysical ideas okay without knowing that was that was at the that was it yeah yeah and i talked about last time about the da vinci code and that whole that whole rabbit hole i went down and i think yeah it 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 all kind of stems from curiosity and wanting to know more and and i think i have a very uh, I always look at the other point of view uh, demeanor. Are you are you saying you're open minded? 
I'm very open-minded for the most part. <laughs> I would give myself that, like an 8 out of 10 rating of open-mindedness. I remember someone said, your mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work unless it's open. Mm. So I always thought that was a really fascinating way of putting it. And something that I've, since then, since I've heard it, have always thought about. And kind of know that is is absolutely true. How else are you going to know if something's BS or not, right? Right. So I think there was always that element in in, in, in my upbringing. And, I, and, and like I said, I think it was always there, you know, in the background without me knowing that that was the case. But there was also this other element that I was thinking that just came to mind. Uh, I, I don't know how long this happened or, or what was happening, but it was sort of like the opposite in a sense. So what I mean by that is I've always had like nightmares and these experiences at night without me being awake. So... An example, we lived with my uncle in Rialto, and I was sleeping in the room, you know, my cousin's room, and I think he's on the floor, and I'm on the bed. Can't remember exactly. So in the middle of the night, I start, like, freaking out, screaming. I don't know, I'm having some sort of nightmare. I don't remember this happening. But I remember waking up, and I'm on the floor, and my cousin and I are, like, tangled in the blanket, and he's like, what the heck just happened? He's like, you're screaming, like, freaking out, like, what the heck? And that happened there. It happened at another apartment where, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night. Like, I've knocked the TV over and, like, I'm, like, hitting my mom, you know, freaking out. I don't know what. And that, like, happened for I don't know how many years. Like, I would just freak out like that in the middle of the night. And it was just weird. I don't know. Did you don't remember having dreams? No, I don't remember having any dreams. It just happened when I'm asleep. Like, people couldn't have a conversation with you they couldn't reason with you or anything like that Mm-mm. you know with like uh, sleepwalkers there's some uh, that you can actually talk to yeah. and interact with they're asleep I guess it's like their subconsciousness that is coming out and yeah there was, yeah, there was none of that yeah so huh. yeah like that happened a lot a lot and I've been told uh, there was one okay so my Thea once told me that we they were looking at a house and I went to the front door and didn't walk in like I just stopped and they had a like afterwards I guess there was something about the house that freaked me out and I guess they like prayed over it and you know they bring the pastor the priest in and do yeah. the whole thing and I think after afterwards I did end up walking in I, I'm i not entirely sure that part but I oh. think I would imagine so how old were you? I don't I forget I don't know She's the one that told me that this was the case. Like, I don't remember ever doing this. Oh, okay. Like, from my memory. Yeah. And connecting that to another instant where I was with my dad and he, you know, he lived in a room within this house and, you know, we're on, we're sleeping and in the middle of the night I freak out and then he like has to wake me up and I was like, what? Like, what happened? But this time I do remember that. Whatever I saw. So I saw some guy standing next to the bed and it was just like a shadow, you know, a silhouette of, I imagine a guy and he's in like a raincoat, like those long ones, like for the rain, raincoat and like wearing a hat, like a circular hat. And I remember that and like, I kind of like you wake up, you see, and then you're like asleep. 
but I'm like freaking out, I guess, afterwards or what have you. So he has to wake me up and all that. And then this was what when I get when I came back from college, my mom said that she saw that figure in the room when she was outside looking to the room and that for whatever reason like she never saw him again. Mm. So go figure, I don't know what was going on. How's, as has, a kid. Has that house been prayed over? I don't know. It might have been. We don't live in that house. We moved. So that's another element of this is that like we moved from house to house. We never owned our own house after the age of like four or five. It was a very like chaotic upbringing. I've we've lived in hotels. We've lived in homeless shelters, car. Um, so there was a lot of that going on, and like my dad was always kind of around, but not really. And then I would say once I went to college. And for a few few years in high school, we were living with my grandparents. And then during high school, this is totally not talking about what we're talking about, but kind of. But um, now I'm just getting to my life, my life story. That's what this (laughs) episode's about. Yeah, this is totally what it's about. So yeah, yeah. Like from high school on, like my tia passed away a year later. My oh, it was my uncle who passed away, and then a year later my. Thea passed away and a year later my grandpa passed away and a year later my grandma passed away so like for five years people were just dying basically for various reasons you know stroke cancer um just health problems a motorcycle accident and and then I go to school while I'm in school and you know this is all happening and it's just craziness and then there's like family conflicts happening so it's just very like chaotic upbringing, you know. Um, and then so at school, I dated this girl for a year. She had like a strong faith, so I would go to church with her and her family. And there was a lot of problems there, and you know, obviously we're not together. But uh, I never, yeah. So there was that whole thing, and there was always a curiosity, yeah. So there's always a curiosity about like the the Bible. And I remember listening to some commentators and them have a discussion and like their interpretation of the Bible. So I would go in there and be like, oh, wow, like, what does it really say? Like, does it say this? What does that mean? And I never really got to like deep deep dive into it. But because of that reference, I always, it was always an element. But stayed with you. In my own research. The experience stayed with you visiting at least yeah so it's, it was always there it was always in yeah like in the background in the subconscious it was always something I was like like in my own research my own curiosity that was always there it was, it was if you will leading me step by step yeah what was it for you that it had to have been something that you gained a respect for was there, was there anything in like particular that within scripture or within the idea of God the idea of a savior not necessarily. No, it's weird. I wonder what. I wonder what. Well, I'm to, sure there is, but I just don't know what it is. Something that made an impression yeah. enough to be, like you said, be open towards. Maybe not at the time, but at least in the future, for you to be open towards discovering or pursuing or questioning. Like I know for sure, growing up, we always we always prayed at night. Okay. Um, but now I now I lay me down to sleep song or song. song. <laughs> <laughs> now I lay me. No. Yeah. So we always said that at night. Okay. 
and that was always something we did. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I think I never did not believe in God either. Like that were I would never denied God. I never outright said that either. But I never it was never I was like on the fence, I think, in a sense. On the fence in a sense. Do you get agnostic game? <laughs> yeah, I think I was for the most part, but I was open to it. I was always I was very curious about it. And then let's say after college a lot more like trying to like really understand it happened and then I would I would have to say not until Jordan Peterson that I really was like okay this makes a lot more sense and I really thought and it was more applicable it was more like tangible like you said in that way of, of it being tangible and and I think hearing him talk about like paying attention the truth and not and like lies and deception so there was a lot of that happening from like age 20 to 25 26 I would say like this real battle of like of my living in the lies kind of sense that we talk about and like there there was something there that I had to really in internally like deal with and I think it, it, that's where it all kind of what's it called um what's that word like it all comes to this point and like manifests and manifests materializes it all came to a head yeah yeah it what is peaked? that like, like the, what's another way of saying Pete gosh I really want to use this it word blossomed yeah it came to fruition. Fruition, okay. Now we're just playing Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that Scrabble? <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. Oh, my gosh, my gosh. Elisel uses it. Crescendo. Crescendo. This is where all... It's because he's a musician. <laughs> yeah, right? He's got to throw in a musician yeah. words. So this is where all crescendoed. It was in it was in Peterson for me that it all crescendoed. Yes. That's my confession. Uh, but I think it was knowing that I was n- not a good person and I was not making a lot of good choices and that there was a better life. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I want to know. I'm curious. I'm sure the audience is curious. Our imaginary audience, what, yes. What, <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to that point or that there was that question of, yeah. of I'm not a good or that, that thought I'm not. A good person, or I might not be a good person. Well, just the decisions I was making, uh, and the conflicts that I had in monogamized relationship. There was a lot of um, early on conflict, things that were definitely things that I needed to deal with, and and in that we we both had to deal with on our own. So it was in that relationship where I began to really look within to know okay like what am I doing now is that because like like you're saying is that because you had a desire to seek the truth to seek truth a desire to apply it in your own life or was that something was that something that took an effect because I'm just trying to see the motivation here. So was I it, knew I was wrong. You just knew you were wrong. I knew I was wrong, and I wasn't because it was hurting. 
myself and it was hurting her. Okay. And so I knew, and then, and then on the other side of that was Peterson and it was like blatantly obvious that there, something had to change within myself. But okay. But a part of you, part of you wanted to take responsibility. A part yeah. of you desired to improve. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, good way to put it. Okay. Take responsibility, improve. Um, yeah, just th- there was a like I got to get my S H I T together. So you realized, yeah. So you realized you were doing wrong, and you realized that you cared enough to do something about yeah. it. Yeah. Like this is not right. Like I, I know there's something. Because I don't. Yeah. Cause more. I, don't, I don't think, I don't think everybody gets to that place when they have mm-hmm. responsibilities. When they have somebody or someone that they're, they're they care for, or yeah. that they love, or that they take care. I'm just saying that I don't think everybody gets to that realization. That whole the whole idea of know thyself mm. and understanding yeah. like. You say I'm not the perfect person. I'm not good. I'm not doing right. I'm doing. I'm actually doing wrong towards myself, towards others around me. And it sounds like for you, you still wanted those things that you were part of already. You you wanted to be a part of Monica's life. You wanted to be a part of, you know, whatever else. Well, there was a, there was had. yeah there was a uh, there was that con- there was a conflict of is this. Well, actually, what I forgot to mention is, like, is are we even meant to be together? So there was that discussion. Like, is this really going to work? Because we there was those conflicts that were happening. And was it the relationship or was it, like, my own deficiencies, all my, my lacking, all the things I lacked? And there was that. And because of the, because of the relationship, it made me to, it made me think about, is it that we're not working? Is it me? So a lot of questions started to, like, mm-hmm. what is? Let's get to the like. I wanted to get to the bottom of this, and again, like, it was in in, in listening to Peterson that really, it's so interesting that I think about it. Like that all was happening at the same time, so I was beginning to ask these questions because I was listening to Peterson's understanding that psychological. And now we know, like, he has that connection to scripture. Mm-hmm. So, in a lot of ways, that was my, you know, my, what is it called? My avenue towards scripture. Mm-hmm. But it was in that conflict where things started to really move for me. That's an interesting... And it was for her the same. Really? Because I remember having a discussion with her saying, when I, when I, I remember having a discussion with her and I told her, we really need to figure out like what it is that we want because I knew it like I had a sense of it and I was like there's something like we're not there's something we're missing like there's something that we're not you're missing out on no like we just I knew we needed to to really know our know thyself mm. I like I knew that intuitively and I had to tell her like let's let's take some time for that and really know like is this like what is it right for us individually and like can we still come together as a couple and that really like of course what 
crescendoed 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 uh, <laughs> to a, a f- like we f- obviously you know married now and all that so we made it through that rocky the rocky what the rocky road rocky was no rocky was mountains the rocky mountains is there a water song that's rocky that's rocky waters <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking more like choppy choppy waters choppy waters this is no, a song. No, anyways. That's a very interesting road to self-discovery. Yeah. In terms of, like, you, you're, you're wanting to pursue what was right, what was good, and what led you into Scripture, Christianity, the things of God, was listening to somebody like Jordan Peterson, who comes from a different approach, who d- comes from, you know... Pragmatic, psych- psych- psychological... And scientific, yeah, biological. Even, even then, I mean, he, yeah, he's still he's still able to glean from scripture the stories, the characters, and he's still finding the truth that's mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, that's that's the very interesting part of the whole thing. Because it was like you said, the same in the same way. Like I knew the what is it, the dark side of ourselves, darkness within. Yeah, and it was like blatantly there like it's just like you can't deny that part of it and I think him speaking about it so bluntly and really being able to put words to these to the actions the thoughts the feelings all that like it really was able to define for me like a real change needed to happen otherwise who knows what's gonna happen so I think that's yeah, that that really was it. Was what it was for me to begin those next steps, and then there was this other part of it where, um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh my goodness, Ariel. So Ariel knew. Shout out! Shout out to Ariel. So there's a little bit of story there, and this gets into like how I got to reconnect too. So we we made it through all that rocky waters for the most you know most part you know working on the relationship on ourselves the whole thing, and I know she really got into like scripture more on her own and was beginning to study that, and then with Peterson that's kind of like the way I was able to study it and, and understand it more so, and so he so I I, I went to an event at, at high school here Saddleback High School actually. And it was part of this organization. Sorry. So I was part of this organization in school. And, you know, we're all alumni. And Ariel knew somebody that was an alumni of the organization. Asked us to go and speak to the high school students. So that's when I first met Ariel. I kept in touch with him. And I lost a job that I had. And I was wanting to go talk to him to see, like, if he could help me out, find some sort of job opportunity either with him with him or somebody he knew so we kept in touch in that way and, and I met with him and we went to have some coffee and, and I was telling him oh yeah I've, I've been really listening to Jordan Peace and he's like oh I know somebody who's like really into him too Ellie Sale so he's like oh yeah um, you guys should totally talk and like meet I was like okay for sure He's like, oh, yeah, if you want to come on a, on a Wednesday, we usually meet for Bible study. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's not a problem. Like, I didn't think much of it. I didn't have a problem with it. Like, it didn't phase me, kind of, in a sense. Because, obviously, I didn't have that 
growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I came and, you know, that was the first time I sat here and went through, I guess you would call it like a service with Reconnect. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Peterson. He's like, yeah, that's, you know, so awesome, this and that. And I, and I really liked the vibe. I liked the people. I liked the, the setting, the environment, all that. So I remember coming a few times and telling Monica, hey, we should start coming. This is from, We're coming from Long Beach over you, here. You started coming by yourself first? Yeah, okay. first by myself for a couple of meetings. Or I don't know if you... Yeah, meetings, I guess. But I told Monica, hey, let's go. I think you would enjoy it. So then that's when we, her and I started coming. And like within those like first two, three months... Uh, I, I remember telling Eliseo, hey, Peterson's going to be in Long Beach at the... Long Beach Performing Arts Center. Yeah, the Long Beach Performing Arts Center. We should, you know, definitely go. Like, I think Monica and I are going to go. I'll get you a ticket or something or other. Like, I was going to get him, like, a ticket because I know he likes Peterson, too. He's like, oh, no, like, wait. Like, I'm going to see, like, if we, like, more of us can go. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'll... Like, you'll pay for it and we'll pay you back. He's like, no, like, it's, it's on the church. And I remember telling Monica, like, oh, okay, like, we barely, like, met them and, you know, like, they're going to pay for this and sponsor it kind of situation. But now I obviously realize that it's, like, part of the funds that they have, we, we all have here. And so, like, I'm, I think you guys were there, right? Yeah. So it was, like, a lot of people who went to this event and, like, obviously from there, like, there's no turning, what is it called? don't look back gosh I'm so bad with these phrases uh, and from that point on we didn't look back we didn't look back yeah point of no return the point of no return and I think that's you know obviously what two years later now I think at this point has it been two years yeah and and, and, and really what, what has kept me coming back is the discussion piece to what we do at Reconnect because like I mentioned I'm not into the whole preacher you listen to me I know better than you but let's just talk about this and, and see how we can understand this and, and that has helped me to learn more and, and feel comfortable and and really be able to bring more context into like Peterson and everybody else like there's so many other thinkers and and all the books that I'm I'm getting to now as well as obviously doing the whole scriptural uh, reading and meditating and, and trying to apply what you like you referenced what the Bible's saying and what's happening in my life and being able to to know okay how do I handle this situation how do I you know reference scripture and, and know that there is truth and wisdom in there and that it is written for us to walk in in, in faith and, and walk with God and and so I think that's you know there's this whole piece of like tithing like we never tithed before you know you give your 10% and we've seen transformation in that end of it you know with our finances going through financial peace university and you know hashtag shout out to Dave Ramsey for that credit cards you know cut the credit cards I actually did a credit card in class. Really? Yeah. One guy actually didn't want to do it. It was really funny. He's like, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy. I have this Dude. under control. Yeah. Then why are you in this class? And he always kept referencing his wife. And I was like, oh my gosh, why, why is she here? Uh, but that's his business. Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, 
so there was a lot of that happening on the financial part of it on the you know a little bit of the anger management piece of it in a sense I would say I have my my I get I get very upset when I'm hungry or sleepy and tired that's mainly like my thing you're hangry I get I get very grumpy Wow. she calls me grumpy pants yeah <laughs> she thinks it's funny but I don't know if it's funny, maybe it is funny a little bit. I'm not. I I know. I know when I'm grumpy, and it's probably true that I am like a little bit of grumpy pants. Wow, that's that's a uh, that's a lot of juggle there with the hunger and the tired. Because I get I get angry when I'm or not angry, but grumpy when I'm tired. Not necessarily when, when I'm hangry. I don't get hangry. It's more my wife. But <laughs> yeah, like shout you're, out. But you're both. And oh yeah, that, that could, yeah, that could be very difficult. To it's a natural disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, but props to Monica. Uh yeah, I know, right? She's dealt with me for we're gonna we're six years. Wow. We've been dealing with each other's crap, basically. <laughs> uh, that that's one way to put was, it, but yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure there's other ways. That there's definitely a better way of saying that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's a very disorganized way of talking about my journey uh, but it's very I think I would say it's, I hope it connects to someone else's I'm waiting for the car we're totally gonna hear that might um, edit that part out yeah so I think that's uh, in, in a lot of ways I would imagine similar to other people's um, coming to faith coming to faith and, and just you know, life and all the different things that happen and uh, in a lot of ways what has happened to you in your life. And um, it's just so interesting because, you know, you grew up with it. I did not. And so for me, I think there is an element of hesitation in, in certain things. Like for sure, I had a hard time with like the singing part. Singing? Yeah. With Kumbaya, my lord, in the circle. Yeah, and... like I have a hard time with that. I've, I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with it. Actually, I remember reading Confessions, uh, Leo Tolstoy, and his whole story. Have you read that one? Not that one, no. It's really good. Uh, he got to a certain point, like you mentioned, like what's the meaning of this? And he, he got to that point of like suicide, and he t- touched a little bit about how he participated in the like the rituals Mm -hmm. and you know one of those was like the service and the songs and everything else and he really dove deep into that and and trying to like bring himself into those like ritualistic pieces of it because there's a ritual there's a ritual into sorry there's a ritual ritualistic piece to this obviously you know there's like like in the Catholic Church, especially, it's like the sermon, the communion, or like a certain structure. Yeah, in order to the stru- structure order exactly. Yeah. So I know for me, because there's this like I don't know, I get this like awkward sensation in me when it comes to that piece of it for whatever reason. This makes me feel awkward because I'm very like I guess you could say self conscious in that way because I didn't have that growing up. So for me, it's like outside of my understanding and. Like I didn't know this is how it, this is how it goes down. I've I've now come been comfortable with it, and but the bigger piece for me again is like that curiosity, the 
of discussion. Like that's that's like my thing. You know, that's what gets me excited and and and, and energized. And um, I think that's obviously why I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to read. Uh, I'm I'm always trying to consume information, and I think that's what's helped me with learning scripture. Is that now I have a a a, a means to digest the information, and obviously I, I that curiosity is still there, and so it's really helped me with my journey, continuous journey. Obviously, right? It's a, con- it's a continuous journey. That's the only way I can say it. Uh, That's good. It's I mean, very all over the place, but... Because what I'm hearing is, yeah, you, you never want to stop learning. That's for sure. You never want to stop growing. Because isn't there like an adage to that like that says something along the lines of, once you stop learning, that's when you start to die? Yeah, I don't want to die yet. Like that. <laughs> that's what I've heard of. Yeah, heard. I never heard that. No. Um, but I know Monica would say I'd get a little obsessive with it, which is probably true, because I want to spend like a lot of time and energy on it. It, I mean, that's just how it is. Once you get into something, like you want to really... You become a nerd. Yeah, you I, become I, a nerd. I can relate to that, definitely. Because uh, there's that relationship piece again. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in, in in moderation. But I don't know if you want to do... I don't know if you want to play in moderation with scripture because you definitely want that to be the focal point. At least that's the goal. Well, right. I mean... It, the moderation part would come into place where you decided to quit your job so that you can read scripture all day. That that would probably probably be a problem if you have a family. Unless this podcast totally like Unless, makes us millions and I can we could totally just you, do that. You hear that folks, we have bills to pay. <laughs> so that's let us <laughs> read the Bible all day and we'll be good. <laughs> we'll keep doing this for you. But you know that's that's definitely um, very very different. I think that's very cool. But that did happen in the New Testament with the disciples. It did? Leaders of the early church, yeah. Where that's why they had to... Uh, what's the one before? They had to separate their duties to give it to somebody else. They had to... Gosh, what's the word? Delegate. Delegate. They, they had to delegate some of their ministries because... For them, they reached the point where they were too busy, and they came to an understanding of we need to focus on prayer, we need to focus on reading, studying the scripture, and we can't keep doing these other activities or performing these other ministries. And so they, that's when they started to give, I guess, authority or give the place for somebody else to handle that side of the, op- I guess, church operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, guess something to keep in mind, right? Like you said, everything with moderation, everything with uh, open mind, or at least an understanding that this is going on, there's a reason to it, there's a reason why, maybe I don't know why, maybe it's worth pursuing, maybe not, but yeah, there's. I think there's some wisdom in understanding that you have to recognize it at least. There's a problem that's at least recognize it see it for what it is and then we can go from there we can have a conversation about why it's happening what's going on is there more to the story is what's the root of the problem but yeah that's a very interesting interesting walk or interesting 
journey of faith. I mean, that, that's just, like I said, that's why I asked him, like, was there, like, a frame of mind? Or was there, like, a, a approach that you always had with, you know, what's the meaning of life? That's, I mean, that's at least that's what I heard with hearing your, your backstory, hearing why is it that you jumped into philosophy and... But like you said, it's because... Oh, I always, see what you're saying with that, yeah. It was open. You had a level of being open-minded towards things where you weren't going to just close yourself off. Like, remember last thing we were talking about how people read the Bible and then they find one thing that they don't like and then they close it and they're done with it and they're never, ever going to approach it again. Whereas, you know, you're giving me the example of Starbucks and how you had a two-week boycott of Starbucks and I asked you when you stopped drinking Starbucks, it was only against Starbucks. You didn't stop drinking coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, your mind didn't... For sure, it did not stop drinking for, coffee. <laughs> for you, your mind wasn't... It wasn't in the frame of mind of Starbucks equals coffee, right? Or only coffee, or coffee only equals Starbucks. No, it was you being purposeful and understanding, I'm going to put this away for this time. But you could separate the two is, what I, is my point. You could... Yeah, yeah, go yeah. And go from there. I, could, of, I didn't. I didn't. Was it instead I, of because I dislike or disagree with Starbucks, I'm never drinking coffee again. That's that's obviously an extreme, but I'm saying that's what we were talking about last time. Is that that's what people do sometimes with scripture? They find one element or one thing that they haven't fully discovered or fully studied or or hyperlinked to a different portion of scripture, and they'll take that and they'll run with it. I think that that I've seen that happen when it comes to people that have a hard time with religions or faiths. Mm -hmm. There is one person I'm thinking of that had a very traumatizing experience in Lebanon. Uh, He was a, a, not ethnic Jew, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, they're ethnic Jew in Lebanon. And his family, or at least Jewish people, were being prosecuted or, or attacked or what have you by the uh, is is the Muslims, the Islamic, the Islamic state or the Islamic uh, folks, army, uh-huh. what have you. And because of that experience, says that religion is so bad, like generally speaking. Yeah, and that's just, that's what you're saying. Yes, basically, like I didn't just say. I couldn't. I. I w- let's say it was that was me in his situation. I would have been able to differentiate that specific situation. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we, you could have, or maybe I could have. I don't know. But we don't know until we actually experience it, right? Well, no. I'm, I'm just getting. I'm getting the example that when you said that some people look at specific verses in the Bible that they don't agree with, and they just discount the whole Bible itself. So oh, for okay. him, it was okay, I didn't it. like the specific. I had this bad experience with this specific religion. Now yeah. all religions are bad, right? Okay, and then and then like in theory, if I was in that situation, I would have been able to separate that experience from like all religion, all religions, right? Or in theory, or this is this only represents a certain segment of yeah. this group of these people within this religion or what yeah. have you. However you want to yeah de- delineate. Sense. So I think I think overall I've. I think I would say I'm decently good at that. I, I I try... Yeah, I guess I would say overall I try to look at the counter view. 
and I think I have that instinctually in me is like whatever the majority of people think or believe I try to think of the opposite and try to play in that camp a little bit you know like devil's advocate in a sense majority doesn't mean right exactly yes a lot of people are going to equate that yeah in politics or what have you but yeah majority doesn't always equal I think I I, I enjoy the counter view because there is always a counter view what is it nonconformist or I would say so even like even when it comes to like going into a crowded whatever it is like right now the the food festival is happening I'm not too big into crowds like literally I do not like crowds mm. and you know there's always I, I think I'm always hesitant to I just don't like people touch me either like in those in those situations you know, you go to clubs and there's, like, people touching you. I never liked that. I never liked those scenes. Do Do you mean to tell me you don't like going to the TSA in airports? I don't mind that. I don't <laughs> like the lines. I don't think anybody likes the lines. Who out there likes the lines? <laughs> me. Uh, but, you know, it just... There's certain... I think there's certain characteristics. Oh, uh, interesting enough. Uh, a... I'm going to be taking an ancestry trait test thing, DNA. Ancestry.com? Yeah. And it's ancestry DNA test along with like your traits, trait tra- characteristics. Is it the 23 and me? No, this one's ancestry. So it, it does go into your genetic. Yeah, I believe so. Oh. I don't have a ancestry. I hope so. I don't know. I'm just because Yeah, because I know the 23 and me. It'll tell you some of at least some of the testing will tell you if you're allergic to something or if it'll reveal like certain ailments. I guess yeah. Certain There's the health piece to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I didn't know that Ancestry did that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think it's a traits test. I don't okay. know what that means. You're gonna have to look at the fine print. I know. Well, I'm I'm hopefully gonna be doing that this week. Well, I'll say this too is that I do not have a very strong understanding of my ancestry or my culture. No, not at all. My dad, my parents did a very poor job, I have to say, not to to paint the picture. Say you know, speak so poorly, but I think there there was always, which is very interesting, like how that was cut off from me in a sense, but from for like. As a as a human, as someone that's part of the human race, uh, 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 Newman, an Newman, it's a Newman, right? Why did he come into both our conversations so far? <laughs> <laughs> I just finished the podcast with him and Joe. It was, it was I had like twenty six, thirty six minutes left. It was. What do you think about it? Super brutal. I just don't like in every um, in every modern society and. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he talks so highly of everybody else, every other country, every other system. It's like, dude, do you not like the U.S.? Like, why do you want to be president of the U.S. Why if you, you're, like, criticize the U.S. so much? Well, because they want to change it. It's just so, uh, yeah. And it's like, okay, like, do you, are you really the person, let's say it's so bad, like, you're the person that's going to be able to change every system. Right. And I like I like that he was, he would say this, like, I don't have a magical answer or a magical wand. Like, you know, you don't. Exactly. I mean, that, okay, that's what he's saying, but really, is that what he's doing? Is that is that how he's going about it? Because it seems like to me he's going about it like as though he does, as though he does, yeah. or we're doing things the wrong way, and this is the way we should do them. I, mean, I don't know. I just he just 
there's so many questions. I mean, at least for me, from my political point of view, that it, it's frustrating for me because I I don't like that we're not asking the right questions sometimes. For sure not asking because, the right questions. Because for me, you know, I want to raise my hand and, and ask, why is it that we always have to look towards the government, towards politicians, to answer all of our problems? Because I don't think government's always the solution. We talked about last time, it was legal to have slaves. That was a government-issued law, whatever it was. It was legal to put Jewish people in trains Yeah, in Nazi Germany. So that was the government that did all those things. It wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the people, but, you know, like... Nothing has good... Except for, I would say, the U.S., generally speaking. Nothing good comes out of government, for the most part. Not, like, in the grand scheme of things. Well, like, I always like to point towards... Uh, generally speaking, of course. There's right. No, there's... there's nuance been, There's been... It. Yeah, there's definitely been good. Good. That's come from changes. Uh, but there's an, another another saying, another adage that goes by... goes by and it says... Uh, Change for the sake of change isn't always progress. It's like we want to progress towards better things, but just changing something for the sake of it is—it's not. You're not going to address the issues. You're not going to exactly make there's things no, better. There's no self-reflection, right? There's no humility. And, and for me, it's like there's only, there's already. Like, I mean, general. In general, there's always a, uh, things that we can compare. In the private versus the public sector, where we need to acknowledge that we need to acknowledge and we need to have an understanding of: Do we really want to make this a public, a public issue or a public means of service? And for example, the post office versus FedEx and UPS. You know what it's like having to deal with post the postal service versus having FedEx, UPS, what have you, and why would you want to turn more things like the postal service or DMV? The DMV. Oh my which gosh. Which is great to go to. Social Security office. You're going to burn your whole day trying to change your address or renew whatever versus AAA handling that or some other. My ID doesn't have my correct address because I don't want to go and <laughs> fix it. For every ID. You know what I mean? Like, how, why? That makes no sense. Like, if I move four times, you know, which people do, move a bunch of times, like, do you have to change your address or, every single okay, time, or you get, pay for a new ID? How, I know we're going off topic, but that's fine. How is it that in order to pay for parking uh, on a parking meter, how is it that you have to pay for something you've already paid for? Don't your taxes go into maintaining Building the those, roads, yeah. cleaning the roads? So, okay, so where's that? pay meter the parking meter money going why are we in debt 22 trillion dollars it's going in the pockets of the big government the one percent the one percent <laughs> this is gonna be fun me I have a, a platform to exchange my ideas with my political views and how that reflects society and culture and having to hear these politicians I think that's just my thing too I guess with politicians it's like 
they all have their ideas and some of them sound really good, but at the end of the day, do things really change from one president to another? I mean, it's the same, it's the same problems. It's the same deal. I mean, it's interesting when I think about the federal level of government, the state level of government, the county level of government, and then the city level of government. Local is way more effective. You can have a lot more say in their local. A government. lot, but there's also still problems there. Yeah. You know, and it's like you still have these problems and issues and, and disagreements at a local level and you know, you have people participating in, in, in these discussions at a local level, let's say, and expect for the federal to, to operate the same, in a sense. Does that make sense? In a sense, does that make sense? What I'm saying, I don't know why I How do many that. cents is that? How much do I owe you? How much 50 cents? 50 cents? Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, we have a hard time fixing what we can do, you know, what we can fix locally. How do we expect to... I mean take that all the way to a federal level and think oh yeah this is gonna and, work and you know what and that's what I ask a lot of politically like minded people I ask them what's the point of give me a good reason and I haven't heard one yet give me a good reason why we need to keep the 50 states of the US intact why can't California become its own country why can't Texas become its own country mm-hmm. because me as a as a resident of California, why should I have a say in how things happen in New York? Or a say in how things happen in Texas? You know you know what I mean? I, I just don't see the logic. And what in okay, I'm I'm low. So like what what do you like is there a specific example? In other words, you you mentioned federal. Yeah. So in that element of Congress, the element of the Supreme Court, why are we looking at this whole experiment of a country as one giant blanket instead of a quilt of multiple states, multiple bodies coming together for, I guess, a singular purpose or singular mind frame. I'm saying that's, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that that was the case originally, right? With the, so basically like articles of confederation versus federal control, essentially. That's if you want to boil it down to that way. Right. But I'm saying is California, the way California wants to do things is so much counter towards a place like Texas, a place like Oklahoma, somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. They want to do things their own way because guess what? They know how to live their lives. Why should just because I'm in the majority state, why should I have a say in how they're going to go about doing things? So, like, what would be an example of us telling another state? Well, federal mandates. Okay. Um, even things, something's within the Constitution. Uh, you know, because of the mass shootings now, we're hearing about, oh, well, why don't we just re... This is one that Bernie brought up with Joe. Reintroduce the federal ban on assault weapons, assault rifles. But again, this is all... I understand that At a federal California level. wants to do things a certain way yeah. that I don't agree with. Texas wants to do things a certain way. Why should they not be allowed to go about it differently? Right, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Because, again, different people. I mean, I guess this is just how I see it. They're so far away. I'm so far removed from what happens in New York and Texas that I just don't see the benefit of... 
Well, because California has the most electoral votes, we get a bigger say with what happens, and you know, and then you know, you get the other side of it, right? Try when you when earlier when you're talking about hearing the hearing the difference of opinion or hearing the other side, because you're gonna hear people, well, we just need to get rid of the electoral college and just go based on the popular vote. Yeah. And again, that goes back to what we were saying too, where the majority isn't always right. Because you've heard of that, right? The the tyranny of the masses, where it's like, we want to talk about minorities, we want to talk about the the lowest common denominator is the individual. It's one person. Yep. That's the smallest minority. And either you you, you can either defend their rights, mm-hmm. defend their human dignity, defend right their livelihood, or or not or not. You're going to be. You're going to deny, or you deny that. You're going to be oppressive, and you're going to use the government force to get something done. You can use the threat of violence to get your agenda accomplished. So all the whatever it is. All the right police that are beating up the Hong Kong protests protesters right. happening right now. Mm-hmm. At this very moment. Yes. That's exactly what we want. It's what we're walking into. Well right. That yeah, that that's it's yeah, it's interesting, right? With everything that's going on with the mass shootings and people claiming or saying we the Private citizens no longer need firearms. They no longer need guns. How quickly is what we're seeing in Hong Kong going to happen here? Yep. There's going to be a big pushback for sure. I think... Let's give... uh, What is it? Credit where credit's due in a sense. Mm -hmm. But also, like, we can all agree that it's horrific. We don't want to see people suffering and dying. and, And we don't want this to happen. I think that's where we all come from at the end of the day. Right. But then we also have to keep in mind the bigger picture of the reasons why we have the right to bear arms and why there's millions and there's, I think we all know there's more guns than people in the U.S. Correct. So in in that regard, statistically speaking, it's probably rare when it comes to like shootings in comparison to how many guns there are, Mm -hmm. how many private gun owners there are. Right. How many, uh, let's say, life-saving circumstances where someone with a gun was able to prevent some something horrible from happening, whether someone's breaking into their home or out in the public, there there are no stories about these. Well, they don't get aired. They definitely don't get talked about. It's, like it's not talked about enough, right? right? So I think that there's... And I think that's a, I think that's a whole other thing about the whole media... It's so fascinating because almost anywhere you look, there's something that the media has done when it comes to uh, talking about something correctly. I said that totally weird. There's always how they cover. Yeah, there's always an example of them covering something terrible, wrong, terribly wrong. And it doesn't matter like what political party you have or what beliefs you have. Like they always somehow or another like screw it up right when it comes to like the bigger news channels for whatever reason like you can go into like different um eras different decades and there's something that the media per per what is it perpetuate perpetuated perpetuates perpetuated stereotypes whatever it is Mm -hmm. it was always through the media and it's so it's so fascinating to think i wonder if there's any books or research around like how how wrong media can be can be about 
whatever it is, you know, people, culture, politics, like, it always seems like they're so wrong about these things. And you think, uh... Like, more times than not. Right. But you think, you think something or some, the voice of, of satire, I guess, like the Babylon Bee, is deserving of more credit because they're saying, or I guess comedy, comedians too, they're gonna they're gonna call it. They're gonna see it for what it is. Even though the majority of people are gonna side with the media, they're gonna say, "Well, the media is credible because they come on they come out on the news at six and six thirty and ten or eleven or whatever." Versus, I forget the adage, but I keep saying that. But there's an idea that the court jester is always gonna tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. This goes back right to, to the, the 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 fool. The fool will always be the precursor to the wise men or something. Yeah, in other words, they're not. The point of them or their role is they're going to tell you the truth, in spite of the consequences, whether or not they're funny, whether or not they're right or wrong. But they're going to at least try and try and bring things to light that aren't yet. Yeah. Or that are being ignored. But yeah, it's it's just it's something that I I wanna say I wanna say I struggle with, but it's definitely something that I have to keep in mind when I hear news or I hear a different perspective and like you said, I, you wanna be open minded. It's actually something I thought of recently and I realized the the left or I guess, yeah, the left mm-hmm. does not live in reality. And they have crazy ideas. <laughs> Whereas the right, conservatives, I would say, do live in reality. But then again, they have stupid ideas or stupid applications sometimes. Yeah. I would so it's say just so. interesting how there's no balance there. We think there is. We're being told there is. We're being told that there's the separation of powers and the two-party system works. But really, I mean... Like I said, it doesn't really matter who's president. I just see the same things happening over and over again. Gosh, it sounds so nihilistic of us. It just, I feel like very like nihilism. <laughs> we tapped into something else. Yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> like, let's find some solutions here. <laughs> some solutions? Uh, well, because at least for me, politically, I've definitely had to... I think I've mentioned it to you before, but because of the 2016 election and it was basically Trump versus Hillary, I definitely could not find a silver lining between the two. Mm-hmm. I just, I tried, I tried to see, okay, where can I come to, where can I come to grips with these two people? Mm-hmm. And it was in that acknowledgement or that pursuit of finding where is it that I land I guess Mm -hmm. that I started to question more and more I started looking more and more into political philosophies and and that's how I got into libertarianism and seeing how yeah the the state the state doesn't the state really doesn't regress in power it just keeps progressing further and further eventually it's going to become tyrannical when the when powers become unchecked powers grow it definitely becomes 
tyrannical and and for me I had to being a Christian I had to see okay well where do these things line up within scripture mm-hmm. within faith right and so definitely that's why I'm, I'm at where I'm at now politically and that's why I say what I say and some people don't appreciate it and some people like yourself would be in the mindset of being open minded or, or willing to hear me out willing to ask questions or what have you or, or have a dialogue um definitely think it's worth it because like you said if we could just let it progress and get to do we really want to get to a point that the people in Hong Kong are experiencing right now Venezuela that they they've had to deal with for the last couple of years few years that's been quiet I have I have not seen anything yeah because what I do is in the mornings, midday, well, pretty consistently, I would say, throughout the day. But uh, I started to look over on Drudge Report. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Drudge, the guy who broke the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal with Bill Clinton. Uh, that That's what really got him going. But I, I go on Matt Drudge, and basically it's all these hyperlinks to news articles. And he does have a, con- a conservative lean to it, but I would say for the most part he's pretty fair. On, on what he puts out uh, but so that's basically what I do on there is, is look read see what's what he's kind of putting out on his page um, when it comes to like news 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 stories and all that and I'll say overall I feel relatively informed when it comes to that uh, obviously with all these different podcasts and YouTube channels and you know there's obviously a political element to some of them uh, there's a specific YouTube channel that I, I go on that puts out content that I enjoy, and you know I, I'm, you know especially like Twitter, like that's one avenue to listen to all the different, you know political figures, celebrities, you know um, news anchors and commentators. Because you know these celebrities are very well informed and they totally understand the law and morality and right. application of well actually it's you know it's super fascinating that Kanye and Bieber have have kind of become these representations of celebrity Christians in a sense you know because I think Kanye has always spoken about that in his music in reference to that and I think he will be putting on an album late in this month that is going to have that religious faith element Throughout, like that's kind of like the his his like angle to that yeah. specific album, and and at the Coachella concert, he did the whole like Sunday service kind of um, show, and so you know there's that whole element to it, and and his willingness to to speak truth, his truth in a lot of ways, and you know he's dealt with his his depression and things like that, and um, my point is really about you know knowing that I don't know there's there's I guess what I'm saying is that there's just so much like so much happening that it's just hard to like kind of keep track of things it's hard to filter through what and we're being yeah. told what we're being shown exactly and that's and that, that was my point too that's my next point of pursuing truth in all things or at least having an understanding of there's right and wrong but then there's truth and there's lies and then breaking it down even further as a Christian, it's okay. Leaning not on your own understanding, mm-hmm. on your ways, acknowledging Him. Yeah. Acknowledging God. 
And that's what I mean by the whole, my political view, my change in my political views and how I wanted to apply truth to what I was seeing. I wanted to apply scriptural truth to what what I was seeing, what I was hearing. Because I was like, these two candidates made me question everything. Yeah. And I was, and I, and it's interesting, you know, thinking about my whole journey and I would say f- throughout college, not even high school. So throughout college, for sure, I started to really get in, uh, uh, a real interest into like politics. And so there was always that happening as well, you know, kind of keeping tabs on things and, and reading and, and trying to stay informed and, and so there was always that too. So I've always had both kind of happening at the same time. And I think that's really why when you mentioned an interest in, in talking about all these different elements of you know politics, economics, relationships, especially when it comes to like scriptural uh, a scriptural lens, I think that the, that there was a high interest for me because I think I've kind of journeyed with both together mm-hmm. and trying to learn as much and, and, and understand as much when it comes to both and I would have to say I, there's always been in some se- in some sense like some cross section of those you know at points mm-hmm. but never explicitly as far as I could tell that I was trying to pay attention to right I wasn't always trying to pull them together and so recently no it, it's, and it's still hard <laughs> it's definitely hard I mean but the at least for me, the way I want to see it or, or try and view it is, I mean, politically speaking anyway, a lot of these ideas have already been discussed by very brilliant minds I mean, people that dedicated their lives to this. And I know, I mean, that that's not the be-all, end-all, but I, I do think that, from both sides, um, left and the right, I do think that there's a lot to glean from and a lot of... Uh, application to be had that uh again it's not i don't think it's there i don't believe it's there to answer all of our questions or solve all of our problems but there's essential axioms like we were talking about earlier there's essential truths within these political philosophies that it would it would be in our best interest to it would behoove behoove us us i love that word it would behoove us to to respect or, need, or at least bring to light, acknowledge certain beliefs, mm-hmm. certain uh, political, yeah, politically, political philosophies, or political applications for what they are. Instead of automatically, you're gonna are you are you gonna associate inequality with racism? Does that make sense? Because there, there is that voice too that if you're not a hundred percent behind this voice or this movement then you're a bigot or whatever whatever description whatever application that label they want to give you you're going to automatically become that I mean I don't know if you saw some of that with um, a lot of backlash that Dave Chappelle got because of his Netflix special super funny yeah he's getting a lot of heat though and and it's 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 good to point out that he's always been like that's his that's just his his comedy, right? But I think he's a little bit, more, in a sense, like really addressing something more explicitly this time around, and like like really like pointing kind of more than just like trying to be funny and, and point out things. And that's 
I guess that for me that's the interesting point of it is that the goalpost has changed. Dave Chappelle hasn't changed. He's still a liberal. You know, he still has a lot of these viewpoints that he had way back in the day that aren't any like you're saying there aren't any different than they are today. They were back then, but now it's oh now we're upset because he's saying certain things that he shouldn't be right, right. that he's not allowed to say. Yeah. It's I but but that speaks to like where we are and and <laughs> and what we what we must do at the, at the at the individual level and and it I think that's why, you know, one of the many reasons why we're in in this why we're doing what we're doing. We're sitting in blue chairs. Is that, is that we're sli- we're sitting in blue. That's the reason why we're sitting in these blue chairs. In the, in the room, you know, in the room, because you know we we support blue. You know, blue wave. There was no blue wave. You know what I'm saying? I, I, there was a little bit in the house, but you know, you know, there's just so many like oh this survey says and this poll says. I, I would just like to point out, yeah, I would just like to point out that. I'm right and you're wrong because politically that's how that's how things, that's how it goes now right it's doesn't matter what you say <laughs> as long as my color <laughs> my viewpoint or my my team wins my team wins yeah you know okay we can probably end with with this but if you want <laughs> yeah it's fine <laughs> fun fact so 2016 elections I knew without a hint of a doubt that Trump was going to win Based on what? Based on all the articles I was reading. Like, I'm not some, like, guru, genius, political analyst type of person, or, but... Or is it because Hillary's such a horrible, horrible candidate that... There was that element. Like. There was that, there was that <laughs> element. But looking back at it, at every single point when, like, this is going to ruin him. This is going to take him down. Like, this is going to this and that. He's... Oh, he's done. He was Teflon. Yeah. At every point, like, he was fine. You know what I mean? I didn't really pay attention to the debates or any of that. Like, I was just more observing and, and kind of paying attention to what's going on. And I would say for me, generally speaking, what interests me about Trump was this idea of going against the grain. And I talked about, you know, the counter view. And I think that he, as an outsider, brought... Outsider coming in and... Yeah. Like, yeah. that for me was like, okay, there's interest. Like, I, I don't have to agree with everything he says. Like, I don't have to agree with his demeanor or... Right. The way he communicates with the way he communicates in general, persona. his persona, like, but I thought that in in that idea of of outside of the fray and and kind of changing things up, I think that's what really pinked my interest. But even just looking at like this this like, you know, bird's eye view of all the article, all the all of the articles and all of the, you know, the attacks and and all this like, like what we're seeing today, it all kind of like happening then before and you know kind of like was building up I'm like I don't know if people are gonna really get get on board with all that like sexism and racism and you know all these different things like I didn't see that being the deciding factor for people or a strong enough voice or a strong enough voice or yeah. opinion like I didn't I didn't truly see that being the you know the the what pushes Hillary to the win and I, I just even when they were counting I was like, no, like, there's no way he's gonna lose. I, mean, even, I just knew it. I don't know what it was exactly, but I just was like, eh, no, he's it, gonna win. Yeah, okay, I can see that because yeah, with Obama, I remember I had a black coworker, <laughs> and I asked him in 2012, 
without even with that without me finishing the sentence of who he was gonna vote for vote, vote for right it's the Marty slip right no dude without even without even finishing my question without even finishing my answer or my <laughs> did you just get slayed oh, oh my, my goodness <laughs> I wasn't gonna imitate him or anything no no but without even without me being able to finish the question he blurred it out Obama Obama who are you Obama yeah it was just like that. It was just a casual conversation, you know. It wasn't like I need to know everything that you stand for politically, and it wasn't even that. It was just straight out Obama. So, so for me, yeah, going into 2016, I thought, okay, they gave the the White House to the first black president ever. A lot of people see that as an accomplishment, as a thing to celebrate, as something to, you know. It's a, it even, was a huge historical moment for sure. Eve, okay, sure, but at the, the at the same time, for me, it totally flew in the face of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who said one day he hopes that his children would be judged by the content of their character, right? Not yeah. necessarily the color of their skin. Yeah. Not to I'm not saying that Obama's a terrible person like Hillary Clinton. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what else, what other substance does he have to offer other than he's a very um, precise politician. He's a very buttoned up. I mean, I try to watch the the, the, the Democratic debates, the ones that are currently going on. And for me, I, I just can't stand anymore because the only one that I can see that's buttoned up, that sounds... Like they have an idea of what they're doing, or they they sound sane. It was uh, Tulsi, but other than that, I I to give Obama credit, he's very buttoned up. He's very you know. Oh, he was good. That dude. Yeah. Well, he spoke very well. Like not spoke very well. Like he he communicated very well. It was very effective. Yeah, like he presentation is yeah. is not second to anybody else. He like commanded the room. Right. Like, yeah. It's just. But again, that that was I understand that was at the forefront. That's of the probably what got him the win, right? At the end of the day. But then, okay. But then, where was the substance? Where was where was the what is what are his policies? What does he actually stand right. for? And where you know, were what 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 were his policies at the beginning of his presidency's presidency? And what was at the end? Not the same. Not the same at all. <laughs> not the same no, at all. They, you no. know. Again, so. And again, he's just, like what I said earlier, it doesn't matter who's president. He's furthering the same approach or the same policies that the Bush administration had before him in terms of foreign policy and what have you. But anyways, with 2016, I thought, well, now they gave the White House to the first black president. So now I'm assuming the next thought is that follows, we're going to give it to the first female president. But, but that wasn't before when we were assuming genders, so I, I don't know what where it's at now. <laughs> that was before we <laughs> self-identified. Yeah. Dave Chappelle identifies as a Chinese woman. Or no, it was a Chinese, Chinese, man. Chinese man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well. Did you that, have fun? That, yeah. I thought that was really How good. How long did we... Uh, we're at 228, sir. this round. 228. 228. I know. Wow, is right. Well, thank you all for listening. That was episode number two. Bye, everybody. We will talk to you later.
Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.